This is a verse that's been much in my mind this week for many reasons, not just because we're resuming our studies in Matthew chapter 6, verse 20, Matthew 6 and 20. But I thought on them as I listened to the statement by the new Chancellor, Mr. Jeremy Hunt, MP in Westminster, in the week that's gone out into eternity, and what is called his first autumn statement, which was in actual fact a mini-budget before the budget. I think it was a very sombre occasion, and whether you agree with the man's politics or not, I think he presented himself in a sombre fashion, and there was silence across the House as he reminded all of the MPs and those in the nation that were listening in of the harsh economic realities of 2022. Because, brethren and sisters, you don't have to be an economist to know that uh, you can't spend more than you earn. You can't do that as an individual, and you can't do it as a nation. And in reality, for years, we have been doing that. We have been spending more than we earn. So our, our nation financially, and we as citizens personally, historically, uh, as a people, we face challenges that I don't think have been confronted in the last 40 years as a generation. So in these turbulent financial times, many have discovered that all the things that they've put their hopes in for the years that have gone by, it's left them. All their hopes have disappeared because they've put all of their hopes in investment and, and in and in and money that has been put away and years of planning and what they think is, is careful management of the money markets has been lost. Been lost overnight. I still cannot accept that all that has happened in the last is the result of, of six weeks of, of Liz Trust as being Prime Minister. I still find that hard to accept. But just in a, a few short uh, period of time, Futures which were built on returns on the stock market and investments in property and, and in business, now the same uncertain and the same unsure. What spiritual lessons, brethren and sisters, are we to glean in the day and age that we live in from the, the present economic crisis? There's always lessons to be learnt if we have a heart to learn them. So in this opening sermon, the Lord Jesus gives some eternal investment advice to his listeners. If all you're interested in is here and now, this isn't for you. But if you realise that there is a hereafter and there is an eternity, this is for you. And that should concern every true child of God. In the age we have witnessed the uncertainty of, in, of investing in things just merely of time and sense. And so the words of the Lord Jesus in Matthew 6, 19 and 20, I think they take on added significance today, surely, after uh, the first mini-budget of our new Chancellor. Verse 19, this advice is put in a negative fashion. Jesus said, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where, where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. And so <clears throat> we'll understand a little of what the positive is if we take the warning from the negative. When Christ spoke of the world, 
He was not just referring, I believe, to the material financial world of his day. Because we do know that we have to make provision for this world that we're living in. We do know that we have to look after our finances. And the Lord Jesus was not meaning by this that we don't have to take care of our finances. But what he was referring to here is the attitude of the world. The attitude of the world. The world thinks only of here and now. The world has no conception of an eternity or the hereafter. But Christians are not of this world. So there is a difference. And if you're here today with financial worries and concerns and you're a believer, just let me remind you again that you have a heavenly father. And if he looks after the sparrow in the hedgerow, will he not much more look after you who are his children? We have one who truly cares for us. (coughs) And if we have a relationship with him, then there's another dimension to life which is eternal. So what we're talking about here is the attitude of the world. Jesus said, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. That's what the world does. That's what the world thinks about. The world has no uh, conception or idea of the eternity which is to come. And then various illustrations, of course, can be given. (coughs) And there are so many. Money is important. You know, money is not the sin. There are many Christians get that wrong. They think money is the sin. It's the love of money that is the sin. It's when people become greedy and grasping. Then it becomes the sin. It's not the money that's the sin. It's the love of money that is the sin. Money is important, but it's not all important. If you have made money the love of your life, the God of your life, then all you've got is just treasure upon earth. You've got nothing in heaven. And how many fall into this trap? They they spend a lifetime hoarding money into accounts that some of them have even forgotten about. Yes, it's true. One man told me uh, uh, very recently uh, of a relative of his and he, he was really shocked to find out he'd something big large amount of money in an account and he'd forgotten all about it. It's nice to be in that situation, isn't it? But when you live in a, in a, a, a surreal type of environment, what good was that money? I think of a man up where we lived and he had plenty of money and he lived like a pauper. He lived like a pauper. If you just saw him in the street, you'd have wondered, is he a, a, somebody living on the street? Is he a down and out? But that man had more money than the rest of all in the village put together. And he died as he lived. And others came in and enjoyed his money. He didn't get any return out of his investments whatsoever. Money is important, but it's not all important. Material goods are important, but they ought not to be our treasures. You know, here in Ulster, we we take great pride in our homes and and in our houses, for example. And of course, a house and a home is an important part of life. I would not try to downplay that. I think it's central to all that we are. But let me say to you again, if you're just living for your home, 
then you've only treasure on earth. You've no treasure in heaven. And that home that you've put so much time, effort and, and expenditure into, once you're dead it will decay and it will fade and it will pass away. If your home is all your treasure, you've got no treasure. If it's the praise of men, which is your greatest pleasure, then again I want to say to you, you've never got beyond laying up treasure on earth. Uh, there are plenty of people like that. They, they want prominence, they want position, and that's what their love is. They, they love a chain round their neck, or they love uh, uh, the importance of office, or, or whatever goes with it. And, and position and, and societal prominence are not in and of themselves wrong for a Christian. I don't mean to say that today. But when they become your reason for living, then it's only treasure on earth. You've got no treasure in heaven. So I want to address this issue head on today. And I want to ask you, where is your treasure today? Is it on earth or is it in heaven? Positively, the Lord addressed <coughs> the heavenly dimension in verse 20. He said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And then he said, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. If your whole time is spent on the things of earth, Jesus said, you have no treasure in heaven. And so he gives this directive, this injunction that we find here, this excellent advice from the Lord Jesus for every generation. The safest place for your treasure is not on earth, but is in heaven. Now some of you might think <coughs> this is sky pie uh, philosophy. But it's not brethren and sisters. This is life and death reality. Every treasure that you and I have that's of a material monetary value. We're going to leave it one day. And the only true treasures that we have are the treasures that are in heaven. If only, if only. We could live in the light of that glorious truth. So what are the greatest treasures which we possess? And how then can we best invest them for eternity? Let me just think through some of them very quickly and simply with you today. Firstly, the greatest treasure which you and I possess is our eternal soul. Everything else about us is temporary. This body one day is going to die. There's plenty of creaks. There's plenty of groans in it already. And one day it's going to just cease to be. And it will decay. And it will go back into the dust. But I have a soul. And it's going to live forever. The greatest treasure that every individual possesses is their immortal soul. And this does not mean that by your own self-effort you can save your soul. You come back tonight and I just want to write off that uh, forever. You and I by our own self-efforts could never save our souls. But it doesn't mean either that even before we die that uh, we can say that our soul is safe and secure for all. Uh, we cannot say that our soul is safe and secure for all eternity. The Lord Jesus put an immense value on the soul. 
If you go over just to Mark's Gospel, chapter 8. <coughs> Mark's Gospel, chapter 8 and verse 36. Jesus said these words, they come down to us very clearly today. What shall it profit a man? You see, we, we think it's only in our day that we know about profit and loss. But the, those in the days of the Lord Jesus knew all about profit and loss as well. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? There's no profit. There's no profit if you gain everything and lose your soul. Because if you lose your soul, you've lost everything. I read of an occasion of John Bunyan, who of course, the author of Pilgrim's Progress, but he wrote many other books other than Pilgrim's Progress. He was preaching on this text to a very packed congregation. And this is what he said, why he wanted to preach on it. He said, nothing is more important for each one of you than the salvation of your soul. One, two. And yet that fact is amazingly neglected. The greatest treasure that you have in your life is your soul. But could you tell me where its eternal whereabouts is going to be? You've looked after the home. You've looked after the mortgage. You've looked after the car. You've looked after the family. You've looked after your mother, your father, your auntie, your uncle. The, the list is endless. But what have you done about your soul? Bunyan said, I pitched upon this text that God would help me to rouse you from your bed of ease and bring you to your knees. Because I have a personal responsibility for your soul. Every preacher has a personal responsibility for the souls that are under his charge. And I feel that responsibility here and I'm alone. Every Lord's Day I come to this pulpit. That I have a responsibility to clear the blood of your soul, of my garments. If you die unconverted and without the Saviour, you will have lost your soul. The Saviour presents us here with, with a spiritual calculation which the best money analyst would be unable to compute. Gain the whole world. How, how could you ever compute that? You think of all of the trillions of, of of pounds and dollars that are on the stock market. You think just of the stock market in London, New York. You think of China. You think of all over the world. You put it all together. Jesus said, your one soul is worth more than that all put together. The greatest treasure you have is your soul. When God made Adam, he formed him. From the dust, just the same way as he had done as the animals that were before him. There are many parallels that we could draw. But that body that God designed needed something more than just material being for that to be the life of a man. And so what did God do? We read in Genesis 2 and verse 7 that he breathed into his nostrils. It's as if divinity kissed humanity. And he breathed into the nostrils of this new creation and the Bible tells us man became a living soul. This body is dying but this soul is eternal. It's going to live forevermore. 
All of the investments that you put so much time and space and effort into, they're just temporary, brethren and sisters. They're just for a few short years. Maybe you can pass them on to your children. They can enjoy them just for a few short years after you. But the only thing that is eternal is your living soul. What a thought today. These souls of ours will never die. They'll never die. And they're going to spend eternity in heaven or in hell where they'll never die. That's the most frightening thing I think about hell. It's unending. It's everlasting. All is not over when the last breath is taken. When the coffin lid is screwed down. When the funeral is finished and the burial is completed. The soul lives on. We have undying souls. Where, where, where's your soul going today? How great the value of the soul can be seen is in that it took the death of the Lord Jesus Christ to redeem your soul. You want to know how much your soul is worth if you're going just to put a value on it. How much is your soul today worth to God? Well, God gave everything, for he gave his son to redeem your soul. And all of the iniquity of your soul, the debt of sin that is upon your soul, was placed on his darling son on Calvary's cross. All of the debt of the law of God was put on his account, and he paid it all. And he took that paid it all, and he transferred it to our account. And he said, paid with the blood of the Lamb. Your soul can be saved today. Not only because Jesus died to save souls. But because of the free offer of the gospel that's made to you. I am a Calvinist. And you know the older I get, the more I hold on to those great truths. But I believe in the free offer of the gospel. And I believe that sinners can come to Christ and be gloriously and wonderfully transformed. Why can we as preachers make a free offer? Because the Bible commands us to do so. Look unto me and be ye saved. Come unto me and I will give you rest. He that believes shall not perish but have everlasting life. The greatest treasure that you have today, it's not your home, it's not your car, it's not your business. None of those things. It's your soul. It's your soul. And it's amazing, it's amazing to think that God has put this treasure in earthen vessels, these vessels of clay. God took this treasure that's going to live forevermore. This eternal spirit of ours is going to live forevermore. And he put it for now. In these vessels of earth and clay. And if you trust in Christ. Today as your saviour. That soul is saved and secured for all eternity. And it's not just sitting there. But here's an investment account. That grows sweeter and better. As the days go by. <clears throat> I want you to notice. Secondly with me. That souls which have been redeemed. Are called 
by Christ to invest their time and their talents in the service of Christ. This is what Jesus meant by laying up treasure in heaven. And the concept is well explained in many parts of the word of God. Maybe just for time we could go to Luke's Gospel chapter 16. <clears throat> the Saviour took a lesson from the children of this world and he applied it to the children of light. Luke chapter 16 verse 8 to 9. Luke 16 verse 8 to 9. Jesus said, The Lord commanded the unjust steward because he had done wisely. Unjust and yet he did wisely. It's not an amazing uh, contrast. Why? For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And then Jesus said, I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon, or the riches of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. <coughs> so the Saviour, uh, uh, if you read the, the little parable that went before it, he, he took the lesson from the unjust steward and he applied it to the children of light because the unjust used their money for their own ends. And in essence what Jesus was saying, if you have money, use it while you're here in this world so that when you arrive in glory, the people who benefited by it will be there to receive you, to receive their, you into their everlasting habitations. So to me it's quite an amazing thought that part of the reward of heaven will be the heavenly gratitude of other believers that we have served and helped along the journey of life. Not only will we hear the well done of the Lord, but also we will receive the gratitude of those who have passed into his presence whom we've been privileged to help along the journey of life. Maybe you've been helping someone and it's been unseen, but it's not been unnoticed. The Lord has noticed it. And those who have benefited from it will remember it. And you will receive their, their gratitude. We thought of this in Matthew 25 at our deputation meeting for Grace Academy in Lahore last Wednesday evening. <clears throat> Matthew 25, there the nations are gathered before the Lord. is a picture of the final judgment day. And we read, The king shall say unto them in his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and give thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, and as much as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. That, that man you helped, Jesus said, you are helping me. That child that you helped, you were doing it as unto me. It's just as an, an amazing, staggering thought. And helping others were actually laying up treasure in heaven toward that last great day. The Lord Jesus said to his disciples in John's Gospel chapter 4, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal. 
gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And alone needs Christians, young and old, who are prepared to invest their time and their talents in his service. And what opportunities locally is given to everyone here to serve the master. There's something. Don't, don't say there's nothing that I couldn't do in Analog. There's something for everyone to do, even just in this little local congregation. We have so many outreaches in the Sunday school, in the Good News meeting, amongst the young people, in all of the evangelistic outreach that we do throughout the year, in the gospel preaching, in the parents and toddlers, in the, the ladies' fellowship, in the mutual encouragement interaction that we have one with the other. What about the, the holiday Bible clubs, that great outreach we do every year, the practical care and, and concern, and all of that voluntary help received locally within the congregation. I just want you to think on it today. I'm laying up treasure in heaven. I'm laying up treasure in heaven. As a church, we have every reason, and I say this sincerely, to be encouraged at the involvement of so many. Lovely to come in uh, to the Good News meeting on Tuesday evening and to see such a good crowd of workers. Lovely to come on Friday evening and to see committed people who give of their time to look after just the young people that come along on Friday evening. Lovely to know that the building's going to be open today, the heat's going to be on, the place is going to be prepared. Because people have invested their time, their talents. Now let's just pause there for a little second. And what are we doing? We're laying up treasure in heaven. We're not doing it for our glory. We're doing it for his glory. But in so doing, we're laying up treasure in heaven. In closing... <coughs> Can I suggest to you that here's an investment plan that is safe and produces sure returns. You know, if you look down the Financial Times and you could see this is an investment portfolio that is sure guaranteed to give me a safe return, you would invest in it. Or if you saw this is an account in the bank and it's certain to give me 5% yield in the next year, you would invest in it or whatever the illustration is, you would invest in it. Well, here is a, a, an investment account that is sure and is safe, and it will give you an eternal return. Jesus urged his listeners uh, to lay up treasure in heaven, for he said, Neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. You know, people who have large sums of money, they worry. They really do. They worry that other people will get hold of their money. And so they build large vaults and, and they hide it away and they do all types of strange things. And <coughs> We had friends in, in Kenya and they hid money. And they, they, they were away for a long period of time and they wanted to leave money for the compound, for the workers, etc. But they didn't want to leave it in the house because they knew that the house was robbed, that the robbers would find the money. But instead of doing that, they buried it in the garden. But the only problem with that was they had guard dogs that were very active in digging up things. And so the guard dogs actually dug up the, the, where the money was buried. And uh, one of the watchmen came to us one day and said, there's something strange happening. The dogs are digging up money. 
And that's what was happening. They had found where the money was hid. You see, no matter how well you try to secure it, somebody's going to get it. If it's not going to be the dog with four legs, some other dog with two legs is going to come in and look for your money. Or where moth nor rust doth corrupt. Would that not be inflation? Is that, not, is that not the equivalent today? We think of inflation running at, what, 10 plus percent? That £100 you had in the bank last year, this year is only worth £90. That's what inflation does. There's no safe place, brethren and sisters, here on this earth that you can tell me that a safe, 100% guaranteed to give a sure return. But there is a safe place for eternity. And there's no safer place to entrust your service than to the Lord. And the very smallest deed, as that hymn just, I think, crystallizes it. The little I can let me do. It never goes unnoticed or unrewarded in heaven. Jesus said in Mark 9, 41, Whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name, because ye belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. Just a cup of water. Doesn't mean much to you or I, but we don't live in that type of climate where people die of thirst. But if you lived in the type of environment where people die of thirst and somebody gave you a cup of water, it could be life or death. That's the symbolism, life or death. We must never forget that we're stewards. What God has given, we're going to be accountable for. If God has given you talent, don't dig it. Don't dig a hole in the ground and bury it because one day he'll come back and ask, why, why, what did you do with that talent and why did you not use it? Don't lose your talents. One day we're going to give an account before the Lord. We, we read in 1 Corinthians 4 and 2, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful Romans fourteen twelve reminds us that every one of us one day will give an account of himself to God. Our treasures, our time, our talents, <clears throat> they're only on lease. That's really all. They're only on lease. They're only given to us for a short period of time. All the children that you have, they're only really leased to you, eh, mom and dad. And they're given by God for the advancement of his kingdom and the glory of his son. And let's learn, let's learn to hold them loosely, but to be good stewards of them, because we know that one day we'll give an account for them. Well, so much talk about the current financial crisis and, and falling incomes in the world, and it's all real. And yes, we're all going to suffer. We're all going to be less well off because of what is happening. But there are spiritual lessons here that we need to apply. Make sure, make sure, I'll say to you today, yes, look after your earthly investments. That's not what Jesus is saying here. For, you know, he's not saying, don't look after your earthly investments. But the exhortation is, make sure your eternal investments are those which will yield God's well done at the end of life's journey. C.T. Studd was a great missionary, he was a great pioneer, he served God in 
in, in, in China, India, Africa. Especially in Africa, he was the founder of the African Inland Mission, which opened up the center of Africa to the gospel. And this is what he wrote in one of his best-known poems. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say thy will be done. And when at last I hear the call, I, I know I'll say to us worth it all. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Sometimes people say, is it, is it really worth it? Dear Christian, when you come to die and stand before the Lord, the little, the little that we can and the little that we did will say it was worth it all. It'll be worth it all when we see Jesus. When I am dying, Stud wrote, how happy I'll be if the lamp of my life has been burnt out. Now that's an investment that's sure and will give good returns. Let's unite our hearts in prayer, please.